Welcome back to Between Two Buffs. I'm Tech Sergeant Mia Nicole Grosshart. I am from 2nd AMXS, and I am the Electronic Warfare NCYC for the 20th Aircraft Maintenance Unit. We'll start off by going around the room, introducing our guests here today. Uh, I'm A1C Emily Elam. I am also from 2 AMXS. Uh, I am a B-52 crew chief at the 20th AM here. I'm Staff Sergeant Victoria Parker. Um, I am also 2nd AMXS. I am a COMNAF troop for 96 AMU. Uh, and I'm Senior Airman Jarquella Dawes, and I am also with 2nd AMXS, and I'm ECM troop. We're here for the 11th episode of Between Two Buffs, and we are going into the topic of women in maintenance and celebrating Women's History Month. So women have had a long history of contributions to the military, but it was not always highlighted. In fact, in many cases, it was overlooked. How do you guys feel about, honestly, just being here or being within this month, like looking into or focusing into celebrating women for this month? Like, did you guys have any sort of like perception or feelings or even celebratory uh, notions towards this month? I did. I thought it was a cool concept. Um, I'm really excited we're doing this podcast today. I feel like it's very important, like considering my minority, I don't know about you guys, but I'm the only crew chief, like female crew chief at Barksdale. I know my not, they've got like one or two, but I just think it's a really cool concept. Um, I was very excited for this month and for this particular thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's been a long, a long, you know, fight for women just to have the right to to vote, to be in the military, you know, even to get paid the same thing as men have. And I think it's super important that we celebrate how far we've come as women and, you know, proven how strong we are and how much we can do everything that a man can do. And sometimes even in heels, you know, (laughs) but um, specifically in the military, you know, it's it can be a battle for us, especially being maintainers. And so celebrating, you know, us being able to do the same thing and be able to have this opportunity to come do this podcast and be the voice for female maintainers. is just, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think that we do it a little more passionate. Like, I guess like since we like started back so far, I think that we, we take our job more serious. Like we have way more passion when it comes to working and you know, just being compassionate in everything we do. That's pretty much all. Yeah, so I'm happy, pretty much. And we fought to have, you know, we got to have that passion because we fought to get here. Yeah. I think, like, one of the topics that we can cover first is our experience overall as women in maintenance. Yeah. It's something that we're comfortable, I feel like, we're talking about and I feel like can probably warm us up to the entirety of this conversation. Um for myself, going in to AMXS in 2011, it was an interesting time. Um, back then, you had people that said women shouldn't be in maintenance. And that was an interesting aspect to try to absorb or process, because what do you even say to that? What? How do you even move forward when you when you know that there are people around you that don't support you even being there. So how do you thrive and how do you stay efficient? 
And then you move forward and you try to live your life as best as you can, having children, getting married and going to school and filling all the check boxes with volunteerism. And then you still have that voice in the back of your head saying, there's a fraction of the people I work with that I work with day to day and job with day to day and, you know, bleed and like get stabbed by a safety wire and then just get hurt and you're exhausted. And then you still have that fraction of people that don't support you being here. Mm. Right. And it's, it's hard, but there is some gratification in seeing other women or other females in our AMX, in our squadron thrive. Right. I also feel like we don't get as much respect as we should. Like no matter how much work that we do, like it could be top of the line and we still don't get the credit we deserve. Like somebody could do it, a guy could do it and you know, and they get all the praises when we do it, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's your job. You, you gotta do it, you know? And sometimes it makes you feel like, you know, what am I here for? Like, but then you think about it like, you know, I do it because, you know, I have a kid and mm. I do it because, you know, you have to do it and you want to do it. The obligation to make it seem like, oh, you're finally keeping up, huh? Yeah, right. That's, that's yeah, what I 100% agree with that because, like, I was going to come in and talk about today, you know, there's almost this expectation when women come into the military, specifically in aircraft maintenance, that, you know, we're not going to be as strong as some of the males. We're not going to mm. be, you know, as driven as some of the males. We're not going to have the mechanical brain that some of the mm. males have, speaking on behalf of our jet troops, you know. And it's like, there's this expectation that, you know, we're not going to be good enough. We're not going to be, you know, to the standard that we have to meet to be the same or better than the males. And I feel like every female maintainer kind of struggles with proving that side of herself. Like, you know, there's a lot of them that will give up, just do their four years, you know, do whatever they got to do and then get out. And even some will come in, get married, get pregnant, and then decide that's their way out, you know. But having to, you know, prove prove ourselves more than you know, some of the males in the career field, because mm -hmm. it's almost, I don't want to say it's handed to them, but more so than it is to us. Like yeah. we have to work our way up. We have yep. to establish our reputation and make sure we prove that we can do just as good as they can. Mm -hmm. I feel like that expectation tears a lot of the females in maintenance. Yeah. Down. The thing is with all of us, we're like some of the best, you know, working people there are like, I know for you, I see you working like, and she's on it like 10 times better. So <laughs> You know, Thank you. I feel like we we have like built that thing. Like we try to encourage each other to like try to be better. We try to like, you know, battle with each other so we could be better than the guys kind of thing. So our personality and our dynamic as a person changes. Yeah. You know, like 100%. in the professional setting, in the personal setting, the thing is, is like you, you, myself, and you have somewhat each other in the specs world. Elam here is fairly by herself in the crew chief world and it's it's there's that kind of distance between us and them and it's not to say that like you know we're un unreachable it's just that there is a divide between the sections and her dynamic just as well changes as much as ours does just to fit the bill yeah like for my like my experience like when I first got here, I was like, I had that mentality of like, I'm a female, I'm gonna have to go that next step just to get recognized. And when I finally did get recognized, it was kind of like, well, she got it because she's a female, mm -hmm. you know, she's being favored because she's a female, you know, it was never, I got it because I deserved it. I, you got it because you're a female, you got favorited. Um, and one of my, like, this seems 
really petty, but one of my reasons for striving so hard was just rage. <laughs> I was just so Same. upset. <laughs> yeah, that they treated me this way. And I was like, all right, I'm just gonna be the best that I can and go that extra step. And like, I do so much better than my other male counterparts. I uh, might rank and uh, my skill level. Um, I do things faster. I do things better. Um, that's just facts. Like, I'm just, yeah, but. And then no matter how you respond or how you react, it's still under scrutiny. Yeah. Oh, she's being too, too much because she's, she's a female or, oh, she's just X, Y, and Z of like, you know, the, the general stipulation yeah. of emotional. And it's like you, they don't realize like everyone, a lot of people don't realize that being emotional is, is widespread yeah. throughout the whole entirety of our squadron because our squadron honestly in verbalization communication is so raw that we are driven by emotions just like with anger there there is adrenaline in anger man like i am driven by anger <laughs> i wish i agree with the way that she said uh you know when she finally got recognized and everything you know she went the extra mile just out of pure rage mm -hmm. you know i feel that 100 percent because i I felt like I wasn't, you know, looked at as a same or an equal member as some of the males in my shop for a long right. time until, you know, I stepped over that boundary and I, I went the extra mile and I, you know, maybe I was a little bit mean or assertive in doing so, but, you know, somebody had to look out for me because yeah. nobody was going to do it unless it was me. Yeah. But, you know, I, <laughs> I went through and I did all of the extra steps out of spite Yeah. in all honesty, I did it because... <laughs> Hey, they told me I couldn't do it. They told me that I wouldn't make it. You know, I wanted to prove them wrong. I wanted to, you know, rub it back in their face and be like, oh, you thought I couldn't do it. Hey, here's my award. You know? Right. And I feel like that kind of that that does change your personality a bit when you come to the maintenance world, because they are tough. They're very, very tough on you. And like like you said, when you start to show emotions and like regardless of what emotion it may be. You're described as, you know, emotional, dramatic, too mm -hmm. much. That's become almost a common nickname for me because I'm very, I like to describe it more as passionate than emotional. Because, yep. you know, being emotional is not necessarily a bad thing. And honestly, I think it's something that that squadron as an entirety could use as a little bit of emotion mm -hmm. here and there. Or some sort like, of empathy. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of us are driven like kind of robotically, you know, go by the book, do it this way, do it that way. And there's not a whole lot of you know, personal aspects to it. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I said. Like I didn't have a role model until I met you. So oh, you that's know cute. It, it is like <laughs> He's so sweet. I've, I've never had a role model until I met she she I because I used to like just play around trying to fit in. And she was like, you know, you gotta be the outcast. You know, sometimes you gotta just do what needs to be done. And like mm -hmm. because growing up, you know, I'm from Mississippi. So it wasn't that much, you know, opportunities that I actually had. So when I got here I had to you know, first wanted to play around, just try to see what I could do. But, you know, she had to sit me down like, you know, you got to you got to be the outcast. You got to do what you got to do, even if you don't want to do it. So, you know, that kind of made me, you know, step out and, you know, take everything serious and like realize like it's all guys here, to be honest. So if you want to be different, you know, you got to act different. You got to, you know, think different. So you build resentment and it's unfortunate because you want to be great you want to positively impact people around you and your environment but then you're you're conceived into the squadron with some sort of resentment right and then you you have this negativity building on you but you're like and then you finally wake up and you're like why 
if, if you even do wake up, some people get out sooner because they're so exhausted, right? Mm-hmm. And then eventually you wake up and you're like, why? Why did I change this much? Yeah. Um, so, so I think like a lot of women have had like mental health problems in the military. Like facts. when when you can like if you do a survey, it's more women that's like that has way more mental. So I, like I don't understand why, but I think it takes a toll on us. Like like it takes a toll. I can't even explain like how some of us have like bad mental just from like being. I think it's just being around guys every single day and just instead of them playing and trying to work, they would rather you know, play around and I'm trying to get stuff done. It never gets done. So it's like you're mm-hmm. trying to, you're trying to do all of this on top of like personal life stuff. So it like, it, it takes a toll on you kind of thing. People, I feel like it's partially because there's like, there's more of a responsibility with women because, you know, we can be in the military and we can have our careers and all of that kind of stuff, but there's still the societal expectation of us that, you know, we're the ones that are supposed to get married. We're supposed to have kids. We're supposed to be like, the homemakers and everything. And I know a lot of us are like breaking that kind of traditional role and everything, but I feel like that's still an expectation that people have of us. And, you know, some of us that do fulfill that role and everything, it's, it's exhausting trying to balance like personal life. Plus, you know, being a maintainer, working 12 hour shifts, you know, getting down and dirty, like some of the crew chief work and some of the jet troop work and even some of the avionics work gets dirty sometimes. And it's a lot of the time it's mentally exhausting. And, you know, we, I'm not going to say we change our personalities, but we kind of mold them to fit in with the people that we're working with. So that way, you know, they're not, you know, stabbing at us all the time. And, you know, we're not getting hurt by it all the time. You kind of have to build that wall up. You have to put on the smile. Even when you don't want to put on the smile, you have to put on the smile. For sure. Because any other, you know, emotion, you're going to get scrutinized again. But, you know, I think that takes a toll on us because it requires us partially not being true to who we are. Yeah. Like we kind of have to mm-hmm. mold our personalities just a little bit just to make sure that, you know, we're not being too much or, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think really just not staying true to yourself and, you know, not being able to show as much emotion and all that. I think that really takes a toll on, you know, women in the military and especially like our mental health. Speaking from somebody who's been to mental health myself. Me too. Same. Same, I, me too. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I said it. Out of all four of us, three of us has been to mental health. It like, is. And it's exhausting. And like trying to prove yourself, like, for example, last year, like I was a PTL. I was running the PT program for our squadron for a little while. You know, I was trying to fix two different AMUs, you know, there was a whole lot of stuff that like I had the experience and I had the knowledge for and everything, but I hadn't put on staff sergeant yet. And so I didn't have the really the power to do anything or, you know, nobody wanted to listen to me because I was just a little airman or even for some people, it was even that I was a female Mm -hmm. and they didn't trust that I could do my job as much. And, you know, trying to prove myself that much and overcompensating and everything just kind of like sent me over the edge of like, I cannot do this anymore. You know, I'm way too stressed out. I'm overwhelmed. I just, I need to take a step back. And so that's when I decided, you know, hey, I need to take care of my mental health. I'm going to go ahead to mental health. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, it's going to have all these repercussions to your career. And so far it hasn't had anything, you know. Right. I've had to take a couple of deployments off. But other than that, it it hasn't been too bad. So When, when I hear you talk about you know, the mindset of the expectations for women, it sounds like people impose antiquated mentalities. Do you feel like that is what you've experienced with us? Like antiquated mentalities of, you know, being a homemaker or 
you know, taking care of the kids and the family while taking care of like your spouse or your significant other. Do you feel like there is a mix of antiquated mentalities that are driving the stressors against women and to include women in mating? A hundred percent. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's kind of like, I don't know, for females, it's kind of like we have to pick and choose, you know, it's can't, we can't just take it all on, you know, and it's kind of, everyone expects us to. So I'll say like, like if it's a, like a young female trying to come in the military now, what would y'all like, what like recommendations would y'all tell her? Like what tips would y'all give her? Like, um, I would just say like, I regret coming into this career field with rage. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. It got me pretty far, but I just wish I had a more positive aspect uh, coming into this job. And I think having a role model really helps. Um, yeah. When I was in tech school, we had a briefing with all of the female crew chiefs because because um, of the stigma it was so bad. Um, and she also had like a one-on-one with each of us. And that was really important for me. It helped establish like, um my place coming in here like she talked about like all kinds of things you know like as a crew chief you're either as a female you're either good or you're bad like guys can be they can be good bad and they can be in the middle they can be all right but I can't be all right I have to either be good or bad yep. um and it was just really difficult um and I just when I first came to the shop it was um the previous female there uh, had a bad rep and everybody, I literally had people tell me was like, um, don't mess up my shop or like, I don't know. It was just a really bad like stigma when I came into the shop. It wasn't like, I don't know. It was just a bad time <laughs> when I first came in. I've had people tell me now two years into being the shop. They've told me, yeah, when you came to the shop, I really wish you weren't here at all. I was like, God damn. So you That's- think it's like the leadership? Like. You think it's leadership within Kuchi? It's all around. Yes. It's yeah. all around from, but again, imposed antiquated mentalities because where did those younger people get their thought process? Either they were, they came in with it or they were mentored with it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. My two cents for women coming in would be brace yourself as far as like, whether it's the military, but especially maintenance is to brace yourself because not in the sense that you have to be guarded or on the defense all the time, but the experience will warrant your tolerance to be shifted by the rawness and the reality and the expectations of the supply and demand of maintenance. There is nothing that could have prepared me for the mental and emotional turmoil in the past 10 years that I've been here. Nothing would have ever prepared me for this. But... I feel like sometimes it do cause you to grow up. Like, yes. like with me, like I, like I said, I was just more of into like playing games. But I do feel like being maintenance. I, <laughs> I just feel like being maintenance. It has it has like matured me like a lot because things that I like didn't want to do, you know, it was kind of forced. Like you have to like you have to be in charge. You have to do mm-hmm. things that you don't want to do. So mm-hmm. I feel like it kind of calmed me down. So I, 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 you know, I remember when you were bouncing off the walls, and I was like, this person <laughs> so, you has know. way too much energy, and either you need to calm it or so. you need to spread the energy so we can have some too because <laughs> I need energy as well. I definitely feel like it's good and bad parts. It's going to always be that no matter what it is, good and bad. I say the advice that I would have for younger airmen coming in is 
Yeah, I'd agree. Like, you know, have a role model and everything, you know, have somebody that you pick, even if it's outside of your chain Mm -hmm. of command and it's just somebody that, you know, you know, it doesn't have to be your direct supervisor, your shop chief, you know, your section chief. It doesn't have to be that way. But find yourself a really good female role model, because I know I started off my career with a not so great female role model. Um, She was very much in the mentality of some of the older male maintainers where, you know, she fit in with the guys and Mm -hmm. I didn't. I was more of that outcast and trying to fit in and everything. But, you know, um, coming out of that situation, uh, when I had gotten moved to second AMXS, you know, it was kind of like a period of starting over for me. And it was kind of like, you know, I got that fresh start. I got to, you know, prove myself. I got to relearn my job. I got to find better mentors and everything. And I just kind of got to continue on with my career and almost flip my career around because at that point before that I had wanted to do my four years and get out. I was like, there's no way I'm staying in the military. The military is not for me. Maintenance is not for me. And that was even from the maintenance squadron and then going to aircraft maintenance squadron. You know, I went on my first deployment found a couple of really nice females and everything, you know, some of them NCOs and above and everything. And they were, they kind of helped mold my career a little bit, but yeah, I'd say definitely, you know, find yourself a good mentor and don't be afraid to advocate for yourself, for your career, because nobody is going to care about your career like you do. So there's sometimes that you have to speak up and be like, Hey, I really think that, you know, I fit all the criteria for this award or, you know, I really think that I deserve a day off because I've been doing all of this stuff and all of that stuff. And I don't think anybody's matched my work ethic this week. So yeah. I really think I should get this day off. Just, you know, advocate for yourself, do so respectfully. But like I said, nobody's going to care about your career like you do. Yeah, I think advocating is really good. Like I should take that a heart too. It's kind of, it gets frustrating sometimes because you get, you see the males getting acknowledged for what, for what they do. And you're like, all right, did the same thing, but you know, um, advocating is very important. And then our acknowledgement in turn is, you know, uh, kind of rough to accept because of the aftermath of of people's reactions. It's like a, it's like an endless vicious cycle. And honestly, at the end of the day, like we don't realize it because we're all individually trying to keep up. But at the end of the day, we only have each other. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like, like our maintenance, like personnel, like females, we all stick together. Like we have all, like all of us are like really close. Silently close. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. We don't always like communicate all the time and get along the best, but you know, we're always there for each other. If you need somebody to have It's just the look Mm -hmm. and it's, it's the like, just the head nod. Yeah. So like, like our shop alone, like our females, like, we're really close. Like we got like, we had, we went from one from like just me to like four or five, just like this. Right. So, you know, it's nice. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, so like, so like you're the only female. Yeah. So from, from me being while, the only female and I have to like, you know, deal with them now. So it's just like, I like it. Yeah. Speaking on that, um, a very specific like thing where females like flock together, um, like, I had, it was my first few months on that, six months on base. Um, it was very hard for me, um, but there was this one female age driver. We just, we didn't even know each other's names and every time we saw each other, we would either high five or we would just straight up hug. It was just such a good time. I was so excited when she come over. I didn't know her name for the longest. <laughs> you just, <laughs> the longest. You was going to random people. <laughs> like, just, 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 just give me a hug. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'd be like, hey, I love you. Have a good day, you know, while she was driving by. But it was just really nice seeing that interaction. It's yeah. true. Like, once you realize or once you are notified that there is a female inbound, you're like, God, please, if you can come any quicker. <laughs> and if I can prep you up quicker. Like, this place will just be that much yeah. better for me Ex- mentally and emotionally. Especially on deployments, though. There, There's not oh, enough yeah. females on deployments. Like, right. for sure. Ugh. So this that's is- crazy, too. Like, you know, as a staff sergeant, like, I hear about if we have a new inbound female or something. And, like, I immediately want to find her and, like, get her here and everything. And, like, right. take her under my wing and kind of be her protector from some mm-hmm. of the males. Because, yeah. you know, it's, it's a male. It is what it is. You know. It is like that. And so it's like, I sometimes, I just want to protect her and like shade her from all of that yeah. stuff. But it's like, sometimes you got to experience the reality yeah. though. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Because the, then they don't even know what armor they have yet. Yeah. But 100%. you do. Right. And then it's unfortunate that that's the mentality that we have to go yeah. into, but it is becoming our reflex. Yeah. My first two to three mentors in the first, in my entire enlistment were male. And um, they are the reason I am shaped and disciplined the way I am today. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it's it's a double-edged sword because the first female mentor I had, whether she realizes or not, it or not, was six to seven years into the military. And that's how long it took to for me to find someone who who benefited um my development and affected me the way she did. So, yes, there are a lot of them that do care about us. Um, But in the day to day that we take care of business and take care of our obligations, you know, the ones that have something negative to say do sting still. And when we take we carry it with us, we do because of that anger that we like use as adrenaline. Um, But, yeah, do you guys have any that you Uh, I say like. Uh, Sergeant Shobo, he's a he's like great because when I was like going through like my mental health, he stayed by me like the whole entire time, telling me you know it'll get better, and he was like so positive to where like I wasn't like really as much like depressed and things as I was because I knew like he would always be there if I needed like a shoulder to cry on, and like he was that person that I could you know just talk to without you know feeling embarrassed that I've like I'm going through like mm-hmm. mental problems. So and his energy, yeah, his undeniable. energy is like it's unmatched, like. He would just joke like you could be crying, pouring out. He'd just crack out a joke, and you just like, "What am I crying for?" Does yeah. that remind you of somebody growing up? Me. Is it? Um, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, right? So that's why I like I have to give like a shout out to him because he's like he's he's amazing, bro. He's amazing. Yeah, I have to say, you know, I've had, I think I've had more positive female mentors than I have had male mentors. Although I do have um, a couple of them that would stick out. Like there was. My most recent supervisor before I became a staff sergeant, um, Sergeant Garcia, he was the person that kind of, you know, pushed me along and saw all of the volunteer work that I was doing, you know, all of the work that I was actually doing. He was the one who pushed me and helped me through getting my education goals done. Mm -hmm. You know, he was that person that really supported me and actually saw me for the work that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas, you know, some of the female mentors that I had had before, they didn't really see that they're, you know, still in that same mentality of, oh, you're just doing your job. Yeah. Okay, great. But, you know, it's it's nice to be recognized every now and then. And he really kind of changed my career around to where 
you know, I'm confident now, you know, I'm knowledgeable. I feel like I can go out to an aircraft and I can fix the aircraft and then I can go home and I can, you know, do my management class and Mm -hmm. I can get an A on my assignment because I've been given all the tools from him to be successful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a few others, um, but I feel like there's been a lot more positive female role models and there have been males just because there's so many of them. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to find those ones that actually care about you and aren't just like, Oh, we're just going to push you up for awards because you're a female and you're going to win because you have the same thing as these males and privilege and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And it's, it's hard to find the ones that actually genuinely care about you and your well being. Just like Sergeant Sillinger, our new shop chief, he would call me like Friday at like eight o'clock. Yeah. I just want you to know you're a great airman. We need more people. Yeah. He's great though. though, Cause I like him. Like, even though he just became our shop chief, shop chief he, he'll just call like random times of the night you're you're great you know keep doing what you're doing <laughs> i'm just like okay you know but that's the kind of thing you need like he has like try to like he's trying to better me like he taught me how to write eprs less than less than like i have been like my whole entire career five years in and i've just learned how to write an epr like so he he's a great he's a great guy and i he's leaving soon so i hope he's like stay back but i i love him, I love him. <laughs> do you feel the same or Yeah, uh, so obviously I don't really have a lot of female mentors because there's not a lot of females in my specific, Mm -hmm. like my shop. And like in the 20th AMU, it's like specs are on the side, crew chiefs are on the side. Mm -hmm. So um, I have had a lot of uh, two specifically I want to like point out, uh, Sergeant Jimenez and Sergeant Castillo. Um, The good thing about them is they were still in that mentality of like, it's your job. I'm not going to praise you for doing your job. But the thing that helped me with those two was the fact that they didn't treat me any different, you know. Um, I know for um, certain Castillo, this is like one thing that happened. Um, it was about something really stupid. Um, it was like simple, and then someone said it's because she's a girl, and she. He was immediately like, "That's sexist." Granted, after that, sorry. <laughs> after that, um, um, I stood up for myself too. It was like a battle. It was like, "Hey, I'm new here. You can't. You can't say that to me," you know. You know, it's, I didn't say it in that way, but I'm not going to say that in the po- the way I said it on the podcast. But um, it was kind of like they didn't treat me any different because I was a female. And that was something that was rare when I first got in, yeah. you know, the way that um, some things they, I don't know, it was just oh, people. Sometimes I feel like guys make inappropriate jokes and everything that we're supposed to be OK with it. Like, yeah, like we're not supposed to say anything. And sometimes we don't because we don't want to be that person to be like, you know, oh, I'm gonna just go to the EO, but you know, sometimes we just have to just let it just sometimes right. we have to just sit there and take it. And even if you don't feel okay with it, you just have to sit there and not, you know, not say something sometimes See, because you don't want to be that person. I disagree. I, you know, maybe it's because I'm a supervisor and I'm, you know, instructed and expected to kind of shoot those things down, especially so knowing before, that it's gonna make other people uncomfortable. But you know, I personally, if there's anything that's, you know, being talked about that I know is making somebody uncomfortable or, you know, that's making me uncomfortable, I will shoot it down. So before you was a staff. So as an airman, would you just, as an airman, I will say, I felt a whole lot less inclined to kind of speak Mm -hmm. up about that kind of thing, just because, you know, I didn't want to be the problem. I didn't want to be like, oh, don't talk to her because she'll sark you, you know, because that's kind of the reputation that you get if, you know, you make one report and everything. But you know, you just didn't know your place. You didn't know the extent of how much movement you can make. Yeah. But then you you keep going and you keep moving. And then 
it's true, you find your voice. And mm -hmm. I would say that this position as NCOIC has allowed me to find my voice because I feel fully inclined and fully <laughs> responsible to tell these people. Mm -hmm. And it'll be quick. It'll be like, what'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> say that one more time. <laughs> but, like, pass, like, like, run that by me one more and time. Like, you don't even break and eye contact like, until yep, they feel like uncomfortable. Yep, and the conversation's over, right? Yeah. yeah. But yes, you're right. Before it, and honestly, when I met you and you, Elam, and, and you were quick, to respond to, you know, how you felt. I, I don't know if it was like, I was in awe or I was just so happy that someone was able to speak as quick as you did to put like those comments back where they belong, like in the trash. So when I heard you do that, I was, I was so happy that you, you were the, just the way you were. And I was like, you know what? But at the same time, you know, what did she have to deal with in that dang office that made her this way? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a, and I was like, yep, we're still here. We are still here. Mm -hmm. It's going to always be that way. You, this is going to always be that way. Like, no matter what we say or what we do, it's going to always be. After we leave, it's going to be the next generation. It's going to stay the same. Like, I think I think that to an extent you're correct, but I also think that it's getting better. Oh, yeah. I, I agree it's getting better. There was something way too crude and way too upfront about and i still hear it today it's like oh was that too much like it shouldn't have crossed your mind to even ask me like what my tolerance is yeah you should just you know keep <laughs> keep it to yourself but then so we just talked about you know our current role models we talked about um what we would like to say to future uh females or women in going into the air force like what experiences would you guys like to talk about that uh focuses on a leadership situation that you guys were thrown into that impacted you the most i think now recently because all of our um staffs has have left so we need we had to have someone to like step up and because i i guess since i've been there the longest uh um, circumstances right yeah circumstances has like caused me to like just step up and do what needs to be done kind of thing and i think i'm doing a pretty good job at like i agree like leading them <laughs> but you know i still like, play i still I'm two play. buildings away and i know you still play but yeah. i agree <laughs> so i feel like it definitely pushed me to be a better person 100 i kind of watched you grow over at least the last year or so and mm -hmm. i think you've come a long way from where i knew you when we were both airmen and everything yeah. y'all are like 10 feet apart too yeah. <laughs> right right next door i'd knock on the wall might as well put a window too yeah. <laughs> hey. yeah. um i think one of my my first like tastes of leadership probably came from um, a deployment that i was on back in 2020 we were in diego garcia which for those of you that don't know it was a very, you know, secluded island. It was a Navy and British owned island and there wasn't a whole lot of Air Force resources out there. And, you know, we had a couple of aircraft out there and they were having the same problems over mm -hmm. and over and over again. And, you know, we just felt like we were running in circles for weeks trying to chase down these issues and figure out what they were. And, you know, our staff sergeant on shift at the time he wasn't that great of a staff sergeant um, just because he had came from a different unit. You know, he wasn't as knowledgeable in this type of troubleshooting like we were. And so, you know, we ran around in circles over and over and over again. And 
we were all just kind of following his lead because that's what we're supposed to do. And me and another female airman um, who's out of the Air Force now, we went into the AMU building and we sat there for hours and mm-hmm. hours, you know, in the wiring diagram, looking at different TOs, looking at all the possibilities that these could potentially be. And, you know, hey, I think we probably finally like found our conclusion and came up to him and was like, hey, I really think that we should do this other checkout because I think that that would lead us to an issue that we haven't, you know, looked at yet. And so... They're like, okay, well, I mean, it's been two weeks and nothing has fixed this yet. And it's on three different aircraft. I'm like, okay, we'll just give us like 30 minutes and give us this piece of equipment and then we'll go check it. And so, you know, we went out there and we checked it. And sure enough, two out of the three aircraft, that was the issue that we had overlooked for a long time. And so, you know, once I, once we kind of looked into that kind of stuff in the wiring diagram and we figured out the issue on those two aircraft, we kind of let our production team know like, hey, we found this, we found that. And they're like, well, that's in the steps of the TO. Why did y'all not do that to begin with? Right. And I was like, honestly, I was just, we were just following our shift lead. We were following our shift lead who may not have had enough knowledge to do so. And so, you know, after we kind of proved ourselves to them, they started relying more on me and more on her when I wasn't there for the answers and for troubleshooting and all of that kind of stuff. And it really made me step up and you know, be that kind of knowledge and that experience to lead the shift. You know, I'm not going to say I stepped on any toes or anything, but I definitely was the first person to come to as a senior airman. Like they would surpass the staff sergeant and everything just based on what I had proved to them. And that Mm -hmm. kind of led me in that, hey, I'm not trying to take over your show. However, I do think that, you know, your knowledge, (laughs) your knowledge is not quite um, as much as it needs to be right now. And we kind of have a little bit more. And so I'd like to lead from, you know, here. And, you know, he was perfectly fine with that. Um, Production was perfectly fine with that. Most of the time they were perfectly fine with that. I did have a couple of issues where um, I may have overstepped my boundaries as a senior airman and, you know, acting like a staff and then got put back in my place as a senior airman. Like, hey, you're still an airman. You're still an airman. You know, you can't talk to anybody any kind of way. You know, you can't really step over everybody like that, and you know, that kind of thing. But it kind of humbled me. And that was kind of my first experience of like a taste of leadership, you know, and it's just it's been numerous since then, you know, being one of the most experienced staff sergeants in the shop and everything. I'm kind of the go to person for all the programs and, you know, troubleshooting and, you know, documentation and all that kind of stuff. So it's just opened a door of opportunities for me. Good. Uh, I'm still in AMC. Um, I've only been here for two years um, in the Air Force for like two and a half. Um, so I haven't really gotten a chance to really step into a leadership role. Um, however, um, more days I'm like leading up more inspections and doing stuff like that. Um, I definitely feel like when you said stepping on people's toes, I had a uh, I had a similar situation to you. It definitely wasn't on a deployment. It was here. Um, it was kind of like the more experienced people were like, this is how it needs to be done because this is how it, it was done. And I was like, why are we doing it this way? That's not stated because they were um, adding an extra step into a task that you didn't have to do. And I'm like, where does it say? And I showed them. I was like, it's not in here. Why are we doing this? Why am I having to do more maintenance when it's clearly states that you don't have to? And I, I stepped on some text toes. I stepped on some staff toes. I even stepped on QA toes and they couldn't even tell me why they were doing it that way. So it's kind of, um, I guess I could say that was my first leadership role. It was like, okay, you're telling me to look in the TO and I am, and it's not there. Um, and even when they looked in, it just wasn't there. Even 
And maybe it was something like when they were an A1C or a senior airman, it was in there and now it's not. Version or something, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, maybe you should look more, you know. Um, it's, it is unfortunate that the struggle, um, that we have to deal with the struggle, but man, the growth is astronomical when you're dealt with like situations where you're just so frustrated yeah. at everybody and everything around you. Um, mine was 2019, no notice deployment. And oh, yeah, I just I came out. <laughs> yep, I just came out of security and they're like, yep. 14 out of 22 of your people are getting ready to dip. It is a Thursday, Friday night. I forgot, um, but it was, I was on mid shift and they were like, it's time to clean house, time to pack it up. And you and your merry men of six to include the 96 are going to reprogram these jets with these configs um, in the next three days. And you're on 12s. So coming out of security, I'm like, oh, all this admin stuff going on in my head, but now you got to run two units to get all these jets prepped. Bet. And then the next thing you know, the next couple of days, few hours, like probably every circumstance of leadership or taking that seat happened. Like people got injured. Um, <laughs> people were getting sick, um, like write-ups left and right of like trying to config the jets and then like, you know, getting people situated and making things happening all at the same time while building, you know, the, the chaff magazines, the full loads and like prepping our softwares and everything. Um, it was, it was eye-opening to just be like pushed into that three months out of an admin job for the past year and a half. And they were like, do it. Right. And then by circumstance, you're like, I, yes, uh, I will do it. <laughs> I, <laughs> It's yep. kind of that Murphy's law, right? you know, what can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah, definitely wrong. Sometimes yeah. it's like that, dude. <laughs> and you I'm get out not there sure. to do something, you're not as experienced, and then everything right? that can go wrong will go wrong, and it'll happen under your watch, and you won't know how to fix it, you know? <laughs> you just kind of got to learn and honestly, grow from that. I'm not sure if, like, my mentors will ever listen to this, but you could just, it's just one of those things where you're, like, some sort of outer body experience, and I'm standing there, and I have, like, the three of them invisibly towering over me, Sergeant Largett, Sergeant Askew, and Sergeant Johnson. And I could just hear it. I could just hear it. I was, they were like, don't be, don't be a sissy. Don't back down. Like, you're going to get this. And I'm like, I'm going to get this done. And it's just like, all right, we're moving. We're moving. Um, put a Band-Aid on, you know, like sign up to this, like X, Y, and Z, do that, do that, whatever. We're, we're going to do it. Yeah. I think that's how it was like on the PT test. Like I had Watson tired over me. I'm finna beat you at the PT test. I, had to, I was so tired. I couldn't do nothing but keep running because I didn't want him, I didn't want him to win. And that's one of the positive um, things to like induce that um, the adrenaline is the challenge. Yeah. Um, the unfortunate side is anger. The unfortunate side is is having to prove yourself to people that you shouldn't have to prove yourself to in that to that extent. But the challenge is quite thrilling. Knowing knowing what potential growth you can get out of it. That's what I was going to say. You know, I feel like it's really, it's empowering. Like once you finally like get good at your job and, you know, all that kind of stuff, it is, it's truly like empowering just to be able to do that kind of job. Yeah. Surprisingly so. enough, I chose this down to the shop, down to electronic, electronic warfare. There was a career advisor during BMT, and I'm not sure if this even happens and she said pick 
weapons or electronic warfare. Here are the definitions. And she slid me two pieces of paper. And I'm like, well, you know, uh, yeah, that one. B, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Bro, Mercury was like, yeah, it's going to be an amazing job. You know, yeah. day one, I knew he was telling me a story. I should have went back to Mississippi, looked him in his eyes. <laughs> it's over with. Yeah. I, I can't definitely didn't nobody. choose this job. I came in uh, open electrical because originally I wanted nah, like a, a medical or some kind of job. Yeah. Like, yep, they got me with the open electrical. And then because um, I was originally supposed to be computer maintenance. And then I got in reclassed because I got hurt to sniper pods for F-15s. And then, you know, I got reclassed out of that because of a security clearance issue. Mm. And so then I came to our back shop. And then a year after the back shop, I had to go out to the flight line for manning purposes. And so, yeah, no, I definitely did not choose this. However, you know, with my experience and everything with deployments, you know, some of the camaraderie and all of that kind of stuff, I've kind of chosen to stay in this career field, like not really retrain or anything like that. You stand too, like. <laughs> Did you pick this? Uh, so uh, my recruiter, the two things I was wanting to come to the Air Force was I wanted to travel and then I wanted to afford school. So the afford school would have happened whatever job I chose. However, I was like, I want to travel. And he was like, great, I got this job for you. Refuel slash bomber maintenance. I was like, awesome. That sounds cool. You know, work on aircraft. And then I came in and I was like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we do travel quite a bit, especially now that CBP is over and we're just kind of doing BTFs and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's just when I came in, it was kind of like, I have two bases to choose from. Why not our Barksdale? That's, have, like, that's all of our experience, like, except for you now. You should yeah. have more yeah. now. The rain, working in the rain. I feel like that's why when I, that's when I'm feeling uh, in my lowest when it's raining and yeah. you gotta work and, and you drop your screws. It sounds like a cat. Can't I don't know, man. When it gets hot outside and you go up there and you're just dripping from every like you know the heat. Gets every place in your body, the and, like, cold gets me. You bro. can't your drink enough body water. Body creates it. crevices you didn't <laughs> possibly contort to. I can't do the heat. It's the code for me. It's the code for me, too. (laughs) I can't. You can layer, but you can't, like, you know, there's an extent on your uniform. Like, there's... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think the the growth and the experiences that career field has given me has definitely made me stay in, although I didn't choose it initially. And I don't think... I don't think I'll well, just be honest. Experience. If I could re-choose my job, I would. They wouldn't even have to ask me twice. If I could do it again, <laughs> I would definitely get out and try something else. Yeah, I would too. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad I chose this career field. I think it's done wonders for like, don't, don't get me wrong. This has done wonders on my anxiety. Shot straight through the roof. But like my self-confidence around other males is also shot straight through the roof like i would have never had the confidence to speak up for myself if i wasn't placed in this job if i was an office job i'd probably stay quiet my whole life hmm. so. i've never had the the interest to go uh retrain or anything like that Bro. i've just been like all right i'm gonna take it for what it is like this is what the air force these are the cards the air force is dealing with uh dealing me and i will play the like given that i can you know choose other avenues and such i've just never had too much of an interest and you know honestly every day is quite interesting at second amxs there's always (laughs) something new that can like impart some wisdom on people (laughs) 
I said that just last week. We walked yeah. in and they said, yeah, we went out to check this part and it started smoking. And I was like, <laughs> well, something interesting. Okay, great. So, yeah, it definitely is. Thank you, Striker Nation, for joining us on this episode of Between Two Buffs. It's been a good time um, spending the past hour or so talking about some of our experiences and our role models. We don't get to do this very often. That is that is the reality of the jobs we've chosen. Um, but in lieu of that, um, I would, I'm glad, I'm glad that during Women's History Month, we were asked to be here, honestly. Thanks. Yeah. I think this is really like seeing like female's perspective from you guys, uh, podcast aside, it's really been great for me. For sure. To all the females out there that, you know, your maintainers or in the Air Force in general, keep doing what you do. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. You know, keep being that strong and power female that we know you all are. See you later. <laughs>